Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Thank you. All right. Title of my sermon, How to Catch Men. How to Catch Men. How to Catch Men. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 19. It says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon and Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishers. And he said unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Look at Luke chapter 5, verse 10. Luke chapter 5, verse 10. And so was also James and John, the son of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, fear not. From henceforth, you shall catch men. Listen, when God tells fishermen, you might not really understand it. But when God tells fishermen, whilst they are catching fish, that they will be fishers of men, it creates in them a mentality. Because every fisherman is trained to catch fish. They know what to do. They know how to bait the fish. They know the right nets to use, the right hooks to use. And so when he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men, that instills in them a mentality that the same way there is a training in catching fish, there is a training in catching men. A training in catching men. You see, a fisherman goes fishing not for leisure. He goes fishing to catch men. It's a mentality to have. So if he says, I will make you fishers of men, the same way I'm in the sea to catch fish, I'm amongst people to catch men. It's a mentality to have in your classroom, in your office. Besides every other motive you think you have for being in that office. Hallelujah. So it's a mentality to have. So it's a mentality to have where in John chapter 4, Jesus is with that woman by the well and he said, if you know the gift of God and who, he who says to you, give me water, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So he saw that seemingly coincidental, you know, happening. He's encountering that woman as the gift of God to her. It's a mentality to have in ministry that you enroll in a school and someone gets to be your roommate. And that's the gift of God to that person. You know, when I was in year two, I had someone in year five in my room. And he, because of his level, you know, didn't like to associate with us and said very few things in the room. But when he was leaving, he looked at me and he said, you won't know what you've done for me. I want to thank you. 
Hallelujah. See yourself as a gift to your world. God's opportunity to reach out to people. There are people that God has been trying to reach out to and they come in contact with you. That's God's chance. That's the gift of God to them. If you knew the gift of God, that's something you can tell them. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is your roommate or who it is that is your colleague at work or who it is that is your brother biologically because I might be your brother biologically but there is a grace on my life. If you knew the gift of God, it's a consciousness to carry. So, I have a positive ulterior motive for all the relationships in my life. To them, they think that we're just guys. But man, I'm trying to catch you. If I met you an unbeliever, I wouldn't leave you an unbeliever. <laughs> I'm disguising. We might play FIFA together, but I have a goal. It's not in Opo. Oh, we could not calm down. It's, it's inside. <laughs> Hallelujah. We might go to the movies together, but I have a goal. I have a goal. A positive ulterior motive. I'm here to catch you. I don't even have to say it from day one. But from the time I said, how are you doing? What's your name? I had planned you. I rehearsed you. So during my internship, there were some people I was praying for. And I was, you know, then I was still working on boldness. So there is this particular guy. I kept procrastinating. I'll preach to him today. I will preach to him tomorrow. Then one day in the office, in my presence, one Muslim began to preach to him. I was trying to convert him. Hey! I said, what? So I called my IT supervisor. I said, sorry, sir. I can't come to work tomorrow. Can you give me permission? I said, yes. I knelt down, wrote that boy's name on the paper, started blasting tongues. <laughs> By the time I finished work that day, I got to the office the next day, and they said, ah, this fellow came to look for you. I said, why? So we don't know. So during break, I eventually saw him. and said, I've been looking for you. I said, well, how can I help you? He said, I want to be born again. I said, oh, really? <laughs> wow. Let me lead you to Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say thank you, Jesus. This is the best thing you can do with your life. To secure people's destinies in eternity. It's the best gift. They may not even know it now. They think what they would rather have is money. But in eternity, they will thank you. They will thank you. Initially, it might look like you're disturbing them, but in eternity, when they have the right perspective, they will thank you. Are you listening to me? 
This is important. And the reason why this is important is because the devil is also in the business of soul winning. You have to understand this. Christians act like there is no competition. And it's part of the mistake that we're making. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant. It says, because your adversary, the devil. So many lessons to glean from that. First and foremost, you have an adversary. The same way in your house, you lock, the, you lock the doors at night. The reason you do that is because you know not everybody who smiles at you outside actually is happy that you have good stuff. If you leave your doors open, they will come and take it. And so you must have the same perspective spiritually. You have an adversary. Stop acting like you don't. Stop the nonchalance. You can't afford it. And he's struggling. He has the same goal you have, to win souls. So if you are not competitive, you are wrong. You must compete for the souls of men. Did you hear what I said? You must compete. The Bible says to contend earnestly for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. And Paul says, 1 Corinthians 9.24, he says, do you not know that those who run on a race run all but one receives the prize? He says, so run that you may obtain. He says, this is your perspective to ministry. He says, imagine ministry as an athlete in a race. So don't just run as if all that matters is getting to the finish line. So it doesn't matter if you get there in three days. No, there is time. There is time. The Bible says even the devil knows his time is short. So if the devil is time conscious and you are not, you are at a disadvantage. Please, are you listening to me? There is a sense of urgency you must have in this work of ministry. A sense of urgency. That's why we do ministry the way we do ministry. Investing in everything. Music. We have children, storybooks. We have, you know, and we will not stop. Say loud amen. amen. So I know in secular life, you may not like to be competitive, but in Christ, it's a different ballgame. Different ballgame. Just imagine Moses and the Egyptian magicians. Power versus power. Drop your own. He dropped his rod, he turned to a serpent. Guess what? It's not as if the powers of the magicians were unlimited. And so Moses brought his own sign and they happened to know how to do the same. God knew all their arts. So he gave Moses that sign on purpose. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because he knew that when Moses drops his rod, they would drop their own too. He also knew the end game. The rod of Moses swallowing all the rods of the magicians. So after that day, they saw the magicians of Egypt without rods. And imagine having to explain, uh, uh, so where's your rod? Uh, 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 uh. 
some would have lied. And people were exposed, it's a lie. Someone came and has more power. He swallowed their rod. It must have become a saying in Egypt. Imagine how popular those magicians were. And someone challenged them to an open contest. And they lost their rods. Think about that. They lost their rods. Elijah called the prophets of Baal. He said, form an altar. Let me form an altar. We will both pray. The God that answers by fire. Let me tell you something. That's the kind of authority this generation needs. Hallelujah. The kind of authority this generation needs. It's the kind of mentality that God is forming in you. You must compete for the souls of men. Don't look away whilst the devil deceives people. Don't look away. Don't underestimate what you have. One incident that changed my life, I've talked about it a few times. I went to school, caught fire, came back a different person. My parents did not know, at least at that time. I'll never forget, I was playing a tape of Pastor Benny Hinn, you know, this was 2008. He was ministering to people and all that was happening. Most of the things he did in that particular clip, I had been doing in school. <coughs> and my older brother was watching, he said, ah, wow, I've never seen this before. In my mind, I was laughing, ah, calm down now. <laughs> For this house. Say, wow, I've never seen this before. <laughs> Imagine telling him and hearing that. So my mom had some issues, and she doesn't make this a habit, but someone persuaded her that there's a man of God, legit man of God, you need to see. So reluctantly, she went. But she said, since I'm at home for holidays, can you go with me? And they had talked on phone, they had an agreement. So we walked in together. And the man who was expecting her looked at her and said, why are you here? Ah, what do you mean, why am I here? He said, I'm here for prayers. And he said, you have a son like this and you came to me. He was seeing me for the first time. He said, you have a son like this and you came to me. So it, it took a third party to tell my mom that something had changed. Are you listening to me? See, after this camp meeting, the grace of the Lord will expose you. Amen. Let me tell you something. The reason why God does things like this, in our kingdom, study the Bible well. Witness is a very big deal for God. When he calls a man, he doesn't leave the man to advertise himself. He would tear open the skies at baptism to say, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. You know what he told John the Baptist? He said, you will know who he is. He says, the person on whom you see the spirits descend, that's the person that I'm sending, you know, who will birth the salvation of the world. He says, you will see the spirit descend on him. 
He likes to advertise it for all to see. He likes to advertise it. When the Lord called me, I thought it was a secret to keep until strangers started walking to me on the road in school to say, I saw a vision of you. God said, you're my pastor. It had been happening since school days. Angelic recruiting. Are you listening to me? I get messages like that every day, every day, even yesterday night. Someone watching from outside the country. <laughs> Say thank you, Jesus. So, there are two, uh, let me give you four pointers in catching men. And some of the things I've been saying, I've described number one. Number one is confident spirituality. Confident spirituality. What did I call it? See, let me tell you something. Ministers of the gospel here present and everyone. I, I was just scrolling and, you know, there's a gospel artist. She's a friend, so we follow each other on IG. She posted, you know, an excerpt from a man of God. And the man of God said something <laughs> that has a lot to do with what I'm saying. He said, the government hid palliatives in warehouses. They didn't put the addresses of the palliatives online. People found it. Broke into it and took the whole thing. He said, if people have not looked for you, it's not because you don't have a flyer. Are you listening to me? Many, you might be deceived to think that what you need for your ministry is a new suit, even though you need a new suit. <laughs> you may think, ah, if I just have equipment, that's all I need. You may think your priority is a new drum set. And those things are important, but there is something more important. See, stay in the consciousness of who Christ has made you. It doesn't matter. People are not coming for you yet. See, don't be more particular about, particular about your tithes too. Hmm? Don't be more particular about your title. Do you know since when I knew I had an apostolic call? Do you know since when God told me? Do you know since when God told me? But see, your true grace is in your name. Are you getting what I'm saying? In fact, people didn't use titles in the Bible, just so you know. It was Paul, Peter. You are who you are. Before you get a venue, grow in grace. Grow your confidence in what Christ has made you. Let me tell you something. People know how to gravitate towards value. If nobody is coming to look for you for a healing, it's because by observation, they've seen. You have not shown them enough to see. That's the first step. That's the first. Jesus said, a city that is set on a hill cannot be what? So that should be your first priority. I must be a burning and a shining light. That's true ministry, what you truly have to offer. 
So stay in the secret place. Stay in the secret place. Grow your graces. Hone your gifts. Before you start shouting on social media, let the Lord announce you. Stay with this Bible. Be brutally honest with yourself. You may have a few fans around you telling you after you now you, followed by you. But you have to tell yourself the truth. Listen to the sermon, the last sermon you preached, and tell yourself honestly, ah, there's a reason people slept. You, might, you can be criticizing them using all kinds of tactics. If you sleep, you know, have you seen all those tactics in this? If you sleep, a demon will, you know, you don't have to say all that. Just grow. Did you hear what I said? God brought you here to put a fire on you. If you, listen, if you are burning, the world will come and watch you burn. If you set yourself ablaze, the world will watch you burn. That's the first step. That's the first step. And it leads me to the second, which is very similar. Preparation. Preparation. See, the fact that an angel appeared to your mother to tell her that you will be a Nazarene and to tell her that you will be filled with the Spirit and to tell her all the great things you will do does not mean your ministry has started. The Bible says John the Baptist stayed in the wilderness until the season of his appearing. You have to understand. It is one thing to know what God has called you to do. It is another thing to understand timing. See, people in this generation are too hasty. Are too hasty. Yesterday morning, I said something that I knew for almost 10 years. But I said it for the first time. There are some things God tells you that are for your ears alone. There are things that are better seen than told. Stay. Despite the kind of exploits, glory to God, that our ministry has, I still haven't had a minister's conference yet. And that's due respect to the people who do so. God has called them to do it. You want to know the truth? I still don't think I'm ready for conversations like that yet. I'm saying me. Are you getting what I'm saying? Don't be too hasty. Stay. Cook yourself some more. Cook yourself some more. I heard a man of God say something. He said in the olden days, prophets don't just come out. You don't just see them walking on the streets. So in those days, when a prophet comes, you see a prophet, ah, you know something is about to change. Are you getting what I'm saying? You know something is about to change. Don't just be all over the place. Everything you have an opinion. Won't you wait? The Lord told me in 2010, he said in 15 years from now, this is what... In 15 years, this is what you'll be able to do in the body of Christ. I know. I told you yesterday, he said at the age of 30, this is what you will begin to do. So there are some things that is your destiny, but it's not time. And guess what? The fact that you were born to do it does not mean you will do it. 
If you don't prepare, you will not see it. Hide yourself. Cook. Work on your graces well. Work on your graces. Build the discipline. Build the prayer life. If you jump up, you will come down. Build a ladder so that when you climb up, you will stay up. Work on your giftings. Work on your crafts. In fact, there are some platforms you should avoid. It's not just about coming. Some platforms should be avoided. See Jesus, how, you know, he, start, he made his first appearance. He wanted to be sure. It was as if he was dodging it. How Mary had to tell them in that wedding, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Forget, oh, I know him. <laughs> He's my son, but whatever he tells you to do, do it. It was as if he was dodging. Some people is the opposite. Do you know some, there are some ministers that ask people, sorry, I have a word, can I share a word? Don't you have shame? The Lord taught me that from school days. Not to seek platforms. Not to seek, can I tell you something? If you have a ministry and you need to invite a big music artist for a crowd to come, you don't have a ministry. Don't lie. They didn't come because of you. This is a hard truth that must be told. When you invite people, let it be because you want to benefit from their grace. Can I tell you something? In the body of Christ, we play a lot of corny games. We take advantage of people. We use people as leverages. And that's why we don't really appreciate ministers well. Because really, we are only trying to use them to gain prominence. And that's why a proper honorarium doesn't come naturally to us. Because we don't really care about them. You invite someone. You remember, I remember the day we went to Ibadan to go and preach. And we're going like, okay, bye-bye. Say bye-bye, sir. Thank you very much. We're so blessed. Ah, We like trek home. Now, I don't care. I'm blessed. I can fly. If I want to preach for you, I can pay my own bills. But it's not proper. And that time, I really needed it. Ah, we didn't have money that day. <laughs> so we're like, ah, Ibadan. This is my first time in Ibadan. I don't even know anybody that can, hey, bro, sorry. It's a long story, but I called. <laughs> so I had to call one brother aside. Sorry, ah, what's going on? <laughs> Hallelujah. I went to preach somewhere. They gave me mosquito nets and malaria medicine. <laughs> so I was wondering, ah, did, did I look sick? Kilo Shele Congo. Hallelujah. Stop looking for platforms. Hey, see, if the fire on you burns well, they will look for you. When I was a student, parents 
Parents of students used to come to school for me to pray for them. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Ah, sorry, my son has said a lot about you. I'm sick. Can you pray for me? They will look for you. It's not about venue. Venue is important, but it's not most important. And what I'm saying cuts across all walks of life today. You know, I was listening to one of my favorite comedians, my favorite. I said, okay, he said, some artists today, they have everything. The hairstyle, the dressing, you know, the swag, yo, yo, it's your boy, you know, something, you know. Everything up except an actual song. You get everything apart from song. Packaging. Hallelujah. Confident spirituality, preparation. Number three, I want to talk about wisdom. You cannot catch men without wisdom. See, your goal is not to be right. Your goal is to catch men. Being right is important. But your goal is not just to be right. It is to catch men. So there is a way to present the truth. There is a proper context. Preach like Jesus. I mean, Jesus was so unassuming. The way he packaged on that well, the woman, when he asked, where's your husband? Ah, she thought he was asking, are you single, you know? So she didn't want to block her website. She said, I don't have a husband. <laughs> I did tell you. Jesus cleared her straight. You have five. <laughs> and you have a side boo. <laughs> Hallelujah. You don't have to be so obvious. Some of you, the way you show up like this with your megaphone, they already know what you are here for. You are too obvious. Too conspicuous. Everything about you reads judgment. They just feel, eh, hey, I'm condemned. That's why some people have embraced the air fire that she be. Bring people in. Preach like Jesus. Be wise like him. See, don't let people bait you into yes or no answers. Some things need more explanation. Hallelujah. A wise person knows I cannot just say yes or no. No. It doesn't work that way. Some things need explanation. You don't just want to, you don't just put a tweet with how many characters? 240 characters and just blow up a storm. Just put one controversial. If you need a thread, do it, explain properly. Because you can be right, but you would have pushed people away from God. They don't understand what you're saying. What you're saying is true, but you didn't explain it well. Don't just say, all religions, you know, explain well. In Athens, Paul did a proper logical explanation. He knew the scriptures well. Though. Do you know, in, in, in Acts 17, he didn't quote one single text. 
Because in, in, in the first place, the people he was talking to didn't believe the scriptures. So there is a space for helping thinkers believe and helping believers think. You have to understand that balance. Are you getting what I'm saying? There is a skill and a wisdom in evangelism. Let me tell you this. And listen to the context of what I'm saying well before you misunderstand me. Every preacher of the gospel must be seeker sensitive. And I'm talking about seeker sensitivity, not in the message, but in the delivery. Let me explain. When you read all Paul's exegesis in 1 Corinthians 14, you eventually discover that he was saying this because of the new people who were going to join the church. That when you want to preach a sermon and you pick up the microphone and for one hour you're just talking and gesticulating in tongues, it will appear deep to you. But he said, seek to excel for the edifying of the saints. So you can pray in tongues on your own, but if you are going to stand in front of an audience instead of a sermon and start talking in tongues, let there be an interpreter. He says, seek to excel. Listen, he says, if someone who occupies the room of the land, is that not seeker sensitivity? That there may be someone here who doesn't understand all you are doing. The person may need the explanation. He said, if someone who occupies the room of the land, you know, sees you talking in tongues, will they not say? That statement proves that the popular notion that you shouldn't care what people say is wrong. So, Paul was thinking, what will people say? So, you have to run through all your processes to say, I want to have a ministry that can cater for people at different levels of growth. Now, that's wisdom. That's wisdom. There is a kind of delivery. See, trust me. I'm very learned though. People don't know. I can be very deep. I can preach a sermon and you won't understand it. I know a few Hebrew. I can make sentences in pure Hebrew. I will, you will, you'll be confused. But this is not a game of depth. If you cannot explain it to a five-year-old, you don't know it. preaching. So, there is a wisdom. If I tell you, okay, this Greek word is this, is because it is necessary. I'm not trying to show off. So, have that approach. Wisdom. I taught on evangelism last year. You know, one of them, I teach on evangelism every three months. But there's a sermon you need to listen to, Locomotive. There is a way the church is structured that is designed to keep us small. We don't have the patience to assimilate growing people. There is a way someone would dress in here now that with our eye, you won't say anything. With our eye, the person won't come next week. You know what I'm saying. You know why? Because... We are, too, we are more particular about defending ourselves and how we appear than winning souls. So, you have to take yourself through that test in your mind 
to ask yourself, when you are Jesus, very popular, you go to visit a Pharisee, a religious leader, I mean, who belongs to a sect that does not even like you already. You're already controversial. And a woman is so blessed by your ministry, but she has not gone through membership school. So the way she knows how to express herself is to break an alabaster box on your feet, you know, and start using her hair to rub your leg. You can't picture what I'm saying. It looks very erotic. Just imagine that you've been saying, ah, this Jesus of Nazareth, I'm going to see him today. Then you just see a woman, a popular bad woman in the community, rubbing. You know what the man, the man said he's not a man of God. He concluded just by saying that. Meaning there are some times you will have to choose between effectiveness as a genuine ministry and being someone that religious people will clap for. Are you getting what I'm saying? We're not, we're not sensitive. Have you noticed? There's something I've never said before. Have you noticed it looks like people rise to a certain level of stardom and they can't come to church again? And you might blame them and say, hey, the, the things of the world. But there's a way we act. There are some stars that if they come here now, some of you will not listen to the word again. You make them so uncomfortable. We need a lesson on seeker sensitivity. The fact that you have been trying to get an entrance into his record label does not mean he's now in church service that he must, today is my day of visitation. <laughs> Don't be like that. Someone came to church, you, all your family problems you want to put on him. That, uh, I'm actually broke. Uh, if, you can just, if I can just see 5,000 in your hand. You make them so uncomfortable. That has to change. So we need to learn the wisdom of, of James, all right? He says there's no respect of persons with God. Hallelujah. So we have to have a system of devotional worship where everybody, rich and poor, can come in a gathering like this and Jesus alone is the focus. If we don't learn these things, we will be small. And we will keep losing quality souls to Satan. Wisdom. Wisdom. There's a way to approach people. There's a way to preach. Don't just come to people's window, megaphone, at 4, 4 a.m. I don't care who you are. <laughs> if you don't believe in Jesus, you will die. You know? And the funny thing is, what you are saying is correct. That's what many people miss. Don't make good news a paradox. That, oh, it's, such a, it's so ironic, it's called good news. When you're always screaming that we will die. If Jesus called it good news, it's because it's good news. There is a warning in it, but it is good news. Hallelujah. Time is fast spent, so I'll move on. And then the fourth thing I want to talk about is love. It's love. Can I tell you something from observation? 
Christians know very little about love. From my experience, do you know as a church, it's very hard to hire people because when people join our church, maybe church staff, the way they treat us initially, I understand. They've seen a lot. Pastors have shown people things in this life. Church has shown people things in this life. And he says, even though you have faith to move mountains, please learn this. Even if you have faith to move mountains and you have not love, he said you are nothing. And this is the part that confuses people. He said, even if I bestow all my goods to the poor, so you can be generous and not be loving. Have you seen people that make a false out of their generosity? They want to be acknowledged. The pastor must know. And by the way, I like to know, but don't rub it. You know, some people just want carnal appreciation. I don't like anonymous gifts. I want to, like Paul, be able to talk about you, talk about Macedonia Church, mention names, Ephraphroditus, Gaius, and talk about you, and use your generosity to stir others up. So it's two extremes. The opening night of this, I usually won't say this, opening night of this um, program, someone gifted us a 14-seater bus, just dropped it. I don't know the person till now. Bro, I'm going to look for you. <laughs> so I don't like anonymous gifts. But there are some people, he said you can bestow your good, you can give your body to be burnt and have not love. How is it possible? You do it for, for appreciation. For recognition. Let your love be genuine. He said, when you do with, what you do with your right hand, your left hand doesn't want to know. Doesn't have to know. The things people have done in this ministry that people don't know. Ah! The sacrifices people have made. See, let me use this as an opportunity to say this. God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. The work some of you did to make this reboot camp a success. Ah! There are some of you, when I'm praying for you, I cry. Even if you don't want it to be well with you, it's too late. <laughs> Sir, you must blow. Are you all right? I say you will blow. I insist. Kill on Shelley now. It must be well with you. <laughs> it must be well with you. You have to walk in love. Let people feel your warmth. And the most important way to show love, amongst many other things, is in evangelism. Make no mistake about this. The context of the love of God is salvation. 
It says, God loved the world this way. That's John 3, 16. God loved the world this way. That's the meaning of God so loved. God loved the world this way. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let me tell you something. If you are not evangelical, you have no love work. You don't feed hungry stomachs and leave their souls to perish. This is something the church is missing. Feed your community. Dig wells for them. But make sure you preach the gospel. Don't forget why we exist. All the other things are, are, are good. You know, some people went on Twitter to be saying, pastors who don't talk about answers. And I know what you're saying. We are citizens too. We ought to talk. But if you think that it is a pastoral duty, you are wrong. You have not read the Bible well. It is noble. But strictly speaking, scripturally, it's not necessary. Otherwise, you will have problems with Jesus. How many truly political statements did Jesus make? At a very strategic moment in Jerusalem's history, where they were colonized by the Roman Empire. You are popular. Say something now. They bring to him, you know, currency. They ask him a simple question. And that's why I said not all questions are yes and no answers. Have yes and no answers. Should we pay taxes? He replied, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Give to God what belongs to God. If it was today, we would say, sorry, it's Okay. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. So as someone who is passionate about the nation, I, might, I will talk, I will keep talking. But you have to understand, it has nothing to do with my pastoral call. And I'm, and I'm definitely not saying it because you said that you say it. <laughs> if you study me well, I don't really care. <laughs> I didn't come here, get here by caring. People will be people, they will talk. Don't forget your true assignment. If you have not preached to the people you claim to love, you have no love work. Because the true context, biblical context of love is salvation. God loved the world this way. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You also must love people by telling them what Jesus has done. love. It doesn't matter how many gospel songs you sing. If you don't share the gospel, you don't believe it. Can I tell you something? We always share what we believe in. Study yourself. It's, see, it's a nature of human life. Everything you believe, you will always share. Every story that excites you, you share it. That's why you're so bad at keeping secrets. A friend says, promise me you won't tell anybody. Say, tell me now, I promise. Then the next day, yeah, with people, you just, say, you just laugh out in a quiet room. <laughs> mm. 
So they're not saying, tell me now, what happened? Tell me now. I say, mm. 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 You know, tell me now. Tell me. Well, they say I should not tell anybody. <laughs> Seriously. I say, okay, okay. Promise me you won't tell anybody. <laughs> Don't say I told you. But when is the gospel? You are, a very, you are very good at keeping secret. That's the only secret in your life. You have had friends for 10 years. A decade, you are going to heaven and they are not. Preach this message. Take baby steps. At least, if you are still working on your confidence in preaching, invite them to church. I will help you. In fact, you can hint me ahead of time. Ah, he's having struggles believing in God. I will bend the message that day. <laughs> Plan with me. This one soul is worth it. Did you just not say it? I can change the entire message for one person. I just might have done it many times. I will just bend it, shall talk in that area. And many times the Holy Ghost will tell me. That's the more rampant one. Hallelujah. At least a couple of times people have gone to meet their friends. Did you tell your pastor about me? So no. <laughs> Did we not come to church together? Hallelujah. Listen, you're going to preach this message. So start, at least make efforts to buy a book or give the person a sermon and use it as a conversation starter. So what do you think about it? I, I, did you read this part in the book? That's a good way to start a conversation. If, it is, if you are passionate about it, ideas will come. Those days, every time I would use bikes, I would always give the impression I'm new in the area, not lie, I'll give the impression. So, because it was a good conversation starter. So you drop me, and I say, sorry, you know, is there any, which good church do you know in this area? Good conversation starter. I say, oh, there's one first square. I've been living in that place 20 years, I know the churches. He said, and then I would say, is that your church? No. Do you go to church? Conversation has started. You have to rehearse people. Praise the name of Jesus. Jesus' own was water. Uh, can you give me a drink? Oh, if you ask me, I have another water. If you drink this one, you'll be thirsty. If I give you this water, you will never test. How is that for approach? Not on the last day, on the last day. <laughs> When you did that noise wakes people up, you think they will care what you're saying? People don't care what you know until they know you care. Hallelujah. So the first thing I mentioned is what? The second thing I mentioned is what? The third thing I mentioned is what? The fourth thing I mentioned is what? Hallelujah. 
I want you to give God your life. Devote your life to the fame of his name. Serve him with your life. There is nothing more honorable to do in this life. Can I tell you something? Whatever else you devote your life to, when you see Jesus, you will discover he outclasses them all. He's worth more than silver and gold. More than riches untold. He's the biggest value of the universe. The, the true MVP. The most valuable person in the, in the universe. Everything revolves around him. Everything in heaven and earth have been put under him. The Bible says God has highly exalted him, given him a name above every name, that at the name Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. You get to choose either to bow willingly or to bow forcefully at the end of your life because he said every knee would bow. So if you don't bow in adoration, willful adoration, you will bow in judgment. You don't have to wait. Cast your golden crowns. Worship him with your life. Not just with a song, but the decisions that you make. The life that you live. When people are watching and when people aren't, worship him with your life. That's why he brought you here. Are you ready to do that? If you can speak up for your country, you can speak up for him. You have no choice. Imagine starting a movement for Jesus also to end eternal damnation. How's that for a hashtag? Speak up also. Get your priorities right. There are many other important things in your life. But he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So if we study the totality of your life and have an arrangement of your priorities, we should see Christ clearly on top. Because nothing else matters. Nothing in this world will do. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.